Hi there, and welcome to bonus episodes of Typical Books. These are excerpts from the Typical Books monthly horror magazine, a subscription podcast that offers interviews with authors and artists and essays about horror fiction uncut. You can find that on Patreon slash Typical Books and Apple Podcasts by searching Typical Books. These episodes may be offered in parts, so take a look at the title. It will indicate how many parts there are to this episode. And as ever, enjoy as we talk to writers about writing. So, on with the show. Hi there, today on Typical Books, we're going to be talking with R. St. Clair, or you may know her as Regina from Regina's Haunted Library. She's the author of over a dozen books and novellas, including The Ghosts of Dark Hollow, Fashion Victims, Snowblind, and has short fiction in the anthology Map to Desire, among others. Publisher and editor of the charity anthology Local Haunts, Regina is also the winner of the 2020 Wadi Award in Horror for Code Red where the vampires are running the asylum. Alongside writing, Regina is an award-winning screenwriter and filmmaker. As an avid reader, she hosts the fantastic channel on YouTube, Regina's Haunted Library, which is a culmination of all her chilling skills. Welcome to the show, Regina. Hello, Lydia. How are you doing? I'm so pleased to have you on the show today. And thank you very much for hanging out and talking. We do talk often enough on booktube and offline as well yes we do and i just thought that i would love to have you on the show to pick your brain a little bit about writing and talk about some of the work that you're working on what's coming out next and where you began in your writing okay now speaking of beginnings you are from pennsylvania and have lived there the bulk of your life a lot of writers come from Pennsylvania. Do you find that there is a very big network of authors, be it in horror or other genres, that you commingle with? Or is it just a very solitary thing and, and there there isn't really much of a network there in PA? No, I don't. <laughs> I do know that there are a lot of horror authors in Pennsylvania, but I'm I'm not really connected with them. I uh, I grew up in in the country on a farm in central Bucks County which is a suburb of Philly, I guess you could say, and but it's a very large county. And it has its own ghost lore about it, which I wrote about in my book, Ghost of Dark Hollow. But now I live at the lowest part of the county, which is Bristol, which is a small, very historic old town. It's not that far from Philadelphia. I live right on the Delaware River. But, and it's it does have like a, a lot of uh, ghost legends, but I now I have not connected with the PA group, and I probably should try. I don't, my network of uh, creative people are more like a mixed bag of artists, um, musicians, and mostly musicians, I would say, filmmakers and fine artists. Writing is such a solitary occupation that I find that it doesn't really, except for meeting people like you online, which has been great, and, and booktube, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't lead to a lot of socializing. Has it always been like that like i want to go back to the beginning to your first published work what uh, format and how did it feel to have your work out there in the wild was your first published work a screenplay or was it a book or a short story i'm very curious to hear what your first published bit was well i have always written since i was a kid i, I wrote stories like picture books which i think a lot of writers probably start pretty early and then i was an 
comparative literature major in college, this kind of stuff. But I always, I never really wrote something. To, I, I wrote a lot of short stories and poems, but it wasn't until I think, gosh, well, I wrote my first screenplay, which I, uh, I, I wrote a, um, a web series over 10 years ago. It, I actually produced this web series. It's, it's about, a, it has nothing to do with horror. It's about a progressive rock band from the 70s. It actually won a, a uh, I was going to say a Wadi, no, a Webby. I got a Webby and a Wadi. It won a Webby in 2009. And I wrote the screenplay for that and I directed it and I did the costumes. I like was jack of all trades. It was, it was a huge passion project for me. It's called Gemini Rising and you can watch it on, a, it has a, its own page, GeminiRising.tv. And it's, it, like I said, it has nothing to do with horror. It's more of a kind of like spinal tap. It's more of comedy with, it's like a dramatic comedy with original music. And so I wrote the screenplay and it was very collaborative. I would write the scenes and then this group of young actors I was working with, we would improvise a lot. Like I would set up the scene and then they kind of would, you know, change the dialogue. It was, it, it was a loose script. I also wrote music for the series and wrote all the lyrics and then uh, teamed up with the musicians and we collaborated on the song. So it was like a, a it was like a huge project as far as an indie project that I just financed myself and we would shoot it whenever and it went on for about five years and then it just kind of fizzled out. But I, yeah, it's something I'm very proud of. So that was the first time I wrote something with like, I'm going to write this and put it out there. Yeah, not only just to publish it where, you know, I know the myth is that we sort of write something and, and put it out there and sit back and watch the dollars roll in or the readers or whatever. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> that to the nth degree, where not only are you publishing something, you're producing it and doing a lot of the work and, and music, like that explains a lot about your YouTube channel too, to those who are uninitiated, just how much of that goes into it. I can completely see that genesis of Gemini. Yeah. So <laughs> I intended <laughs> to your YouTube channel. That's oh. kind of amazing. But what year was that? Uh, well, it won the award in 2009. I think I, I think it started in 2006. And it was just a dream. I really just, uh, you know, I was in my early 40s and I was like, you know what, if I don't, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. I had a dream. And if I'm like, I, if I want to do it, I better do it now. And honestly, I'm really glad I did. I, I did another film project that was more experimental called The Weirdness. And that's online somewhere. It doesn't have a web uh, website. Uh, it's it's a little bit unfinished. It's only like a 45 minute. It's not a full story. It's kind of an experimental piece. But that one I just you know just shot once a month. Once a month. I'm like we can do one once a month. And I got the group together. And that went over a couple of years. And that's really a crazy project. But I I kind of love it. And that also has some great music uh, that I didn't do. My friend Mike Kiker did the score. And it's a very like progressive rock kind of score. And so I know a lot of artists that with whom I collaborate, I have not, uh, although I'm, I'm really open to it because I do love collaborating. Uh, I haven't collaborated on like a real writing project, although I, you know, I think it would be hard. I've never tried it. I did attempt once to have, um, there's this cabin I go to and I attempted to have a group of us go there and, and collaborate on a horror film and everyone just ended up getting drunk and it was very <laughs> non-productive, <laughs> myself included, you know? <laughs> so it would be like a haunted weekend. You wanted that uh, Percy Bysshe Shelley kind of yes. thing with the, yeah, yeah. Nice Byron-esque. 
Yes, but it wasn't that at all. And none of us could get on the same page at all. Yeah, I wonder how they accomplished that considering all the laudanum they had at hand. Yes. Well, that's, you're yes. no stranger to award winning, that's for sure. Okay, so congratulations, belated Thanks. here on your Wadi Award. Now, does the list on Amazon of those books reflect what is on Wattpad? Are they completely separate? Oh, they're completely separate. So, all well, except for one, I do, I have my, my YA series, the Dark Hollow Chronicles. Book one is free on all the sites. It's, it's free on Wattpad, it's free on Amazon, it's free on Smashwords. So I just wanted to make it free so people could get into the story and, and you know, maybe continue with the other books. But Wattpad is a whole separate thing. I, I really use that site as, as kind of an, a way to develop books. Nice. And so I have a, a three book series in my car. Eventually, I'll take them off Wattpad, I'll re-edit and publish them probably, because it's a lot of work. Yeah, entirely. Is that, I, I can see how that collaborative, that feedback, you get a mm -hmm. lot of reads, a lot of eyeballs on Wattpad, which yes. is great because I've seen people publish there and either give up or continue either or, but not get that sort of reception. And maybe they're not, you know, entering contests or inviting people to read their work. Did you find this came organically, the eyeballs and the readers on Wattpad or, do you work as hard on that as you do with the traditionally or Amazon published, self-published or independently published work? That's a really good question. It was, for me, what the whole Wattpad thing was totally organic. I just started because I thought it was fun. Well, I first started like just putting my short stories on uh, like a, my own blog and no one read them. So <laughs> I was really delighted to find the site where people wanted to read things. Uh, yeah, I just, I guess I just lucked out. I, well, I, I developed the Dark Hollow Chronicles on Wattpad kind of specifically for that audience because I could tell, even though I mostly wrote like adult horror or adult stories, this was a much younger audience. They, uh, it was a different attention span and I don't mean that in a negative way, but most chapters, like the sweet spot was like a thousand words or 1500 words. So I designed a very, uh, easy to read page turn what I thought was like a page turner uh, book for that for like a teenage um, I don't know readership and had a beautiful cover by Consuela Para and I do spend money on my covers and and they are they're very eye-catching it shows it's true they are eye-catching especially Dark Hollow and others of course all mm -hmm. of them actually Thank but you. Dark Hollow and specifically I can see why it gets uh, the the returns and the reviews and and the ratings that it does and goodreads it seems to have a lot of reviews yeah it's done pretty well and uh so that <laughs> one, that book did really well in wattpad it got featured which once a book is featured story they're called once a story is featured on that site they start to promote it and that one before i took it off had i don't know 200,000 more over 200,000 reads and my my current book my current series just reached 200,000 I mean, there are people have books on there that have like millions, millions of reads. And it, that's pretty incredible. And what I love about Wattpad too is hearing from readers that you get a different type of feedback there. I think with, um, with Amazon or Goodreads, there's, there's almost a, there's, well, that's a whole other topic. And, and you know, a lot of writers talk <laughs> about that. And I'm sure you have your opinions too, but there seems to be a, I hostility might be too hard of a word or, but it's like a, a fear of the authors with the, there's not a lot of interaction that, and readers don't want authors in their spaces, you know, and I get that. And there's been some ugly scenes that have gone down over that issue. It's not like that on Wattpad. It's like 
the, the site wants you to interact and, and there there's a, a level of politeness. Especially because I'm sure the readers there want you to keep writing and they're not necessarily looking for the next thing. They want to read the next thing from you once they're interested. Whereas on something like Goodreads, they're sort of in it for their own slice of fame, being a, a top reviewer or something like that. Mm -hmm where it seems Wattpad's really a place for writers and readers on that same level, like you said. That makes yes. a lot of sense. Yes, so and I mean, they will be, you know, sometimes, and I I, I just actually had to uh, drop out because I just ran out of time, but I've been involved in like book clubs on uh, Wattpad where we critique each other's work and, you know, and, and you know, people do get critical and, and that's, you know, it's good feedback, but it's always done with a, a lot of respect and, it's wonderful when, you know, like just the other day, a, a reader from Nigeria, you know, told me she loved my story. And, you know, it, it has such a wide reach. And of course it's in Canada, I believe in Toronto. Mm, nice. But nice. a lot, there's a lot of competition now with Amazon Vela, which I actually do have a story on there, my fantasy story. I'm gonna try it on that platform because it didn't do that well on Wattpad. It might not do well on Vela, I don't know, but it's, I, I felt like it, I was going to try it, but yeah. So, I, I mean, I wrote an epic fantasy too, which was the first time I ever wrote that type of story. So I don't, I'm not just, I don't just do horror, but I guess that's my main thing. No. And would you say that your most recent series that's on Wattpad right now, that ends with Red Finale, yeah, uh, is it dark or horror or is it um, just more of a gothic tale? That is my attempt to write a werewolf-like shifter story because yeah. You know, I, I'm like, wow, this this is really popular. This is such a popular thing. And other than like Twilight, I had never read anything in that genre, but I know it's really big. And I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna off the top of my head write what I think is a werewolf story, ro a romance werewolf story, and I set it in the world of ballet. Yeah, which was the twist that caught my eye. I like I like that angle very much. Yeah, thank you. And you know, and I've gotten great responses for that. Some people felt like they're wasn't enough of the those shifter tropes that maybe they were used to that I don't know about because I haven't read that all those romance uh, books but I read a lot of werewolf books like horror books I read uh Wolfen uh, all these other like you know 80s style werewolf books and I kind of picked up on some werewolf things and I love ballet and I just put it together and yeah I think that those books have potential. It's a trilogy. Mm -hmm. I had fun writing it, you know, and that's, I, I think anytime I do anything on Wattpad, I always just explore and have fun. That sounds a lot more freeing than the traditional vision of a writer, you know, outlining relentlessly and, and writing to market and sweating over the small stuff and, and leaving the fun sort of as an afterthought almost. It seems that you have reversed that. Do you outline relentlessly for Wattpad or is it as free flowing as it sounds to me? I, I don't outline, well, you know, it depends on what it is. I, I do, I mean, want to sell more books. So I, I watch those videos about writing to market relentlessly on YouTube, you know, I want to crack the code, but I also, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Lydia, because <laughs> if you're not, if it's not something that is interesting, that is compelling you in some way to get up and write it, it's just, you know, it's going to fail for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I, 
I think mm -hmm. it, that can work for some people, but if I had just like a list of check marks and I'm, I have to write, you know, a shifter romance that hits all this stuff, I would just be bored out of my mind. And people have already written those books. It, I would be contributing nothing. So I try to put my own spin on things uh, like I did with the werewolf. And a lot of people liked that it was different and that it was about ballet and, you know, it was still romantic. I still had, you know, like a very, it, it wasn't erotica, it was very tame, but I, you know, it had like a love triangle and, you know, the warring brothers. So I used tons of tropes uh, and, and I'm conscious of it. But I think as far as outlining, the only time I do that is I, I will take notes. Like when I start a project, I have a notebook and I'd write it down in longhand and I just take random notes and I usually come up with the genre. So I know like what genre I'm writing. And then I, I usually have like a great twist and then I write around that twist, if that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna build to that. And then I'm going to, everything else kind of fall. Once I do that, and then I, it all kind of falls into place. That's really interesting. The twist being the seed, uh, your characters are vivid and your characters are varied and you write great dialogue. So you would almost assume that the characters are the seed, but the twist being the seed that things sprout from that that's something i haven't really heard much of oh yeah i i love i love a good twist and i've stolen them from movies <laughs> you know other uh in fact one of my i shouldn't be revealing this but one of my uh my most successful twist is the one i use in uh in my first book unmasked which i won't give away the twist but i took that exactly that same twist from a uh, very little known film that was a big flop in the 80s and only one of my friends recognized it so it wasn't yeah. i didn't you know i i mean i didn't plagiarize the story i just took the idea of like i'm going to change those two characters and and like that they did in this book because when i saw that movie it was actually billy wilder's last films called fedora based on a short story by thomas tryon okay You're and it's one not of your favorites one of my favorites and it's not that well known but that twist like hit me like a punch in the stomach and i just was so inspired by it. I'm like, I'm gonna use this for my story. And it really worked. So I think that, um, so I do like, I, I like twists and, but I, I do I do love characters. And I think that comes from my, my background in theater because I've always worked, even though, you know, I studied literature, I was also, I majored in theater for a few years and worked in theater. I still work in the theater. So uh, I studied, drama for many years. I, I love Shakespeare. I, I directed plays, you know, billion plays. So uh, I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm very conscious of good characters. And I think that is one of my pet peeves when I'm reading a mm -hmm. book and will turn me off faster than anything else are just like flat characters. Flat characters. I mean, there's so many um, books that I want to see as either a film or a play and you have to have a pretty strong character to make it work on stage that's mm -hmm. definitely true I could see why your eye would be so in tune with that your screenplay unmasked has gotten great attention for years on stage uh, is the book a novelization of that or is it very loosely based on that or is it, it almost a carbon copy of the screenplay it's I used this I wrote the screenplay first Mm -hmm. And then I wrote the, no it was a novelization. So I used the screenplay as an outline, which is actually great to do. I did that with uh, my other book, Black Magic too. That started as a screenplay. So when you really work a screenplay, I mean, a screenplay really is all about outlining 
you know, hitting the beats. And I studied that like a, like a student. I've done a whole, I don't know if you ever saw my lengthy playlist on Robert McKee's story. Uh, I, I studied that book backwards and forwards. I went to New York and did his seminar. And you can really apply all those skills from writing screenplays into a novel. And it's, it's actually, it works quite well. So I did, I had the screenplay like up, you know, up on my uh, desktop and I just wrote each scene that was in the screenplay as a novel. I, I ended up cutting a scene out of my novel, the first scene that's in the screenplay. And I think I, I don't know, this is a little crazy, but it, I, I kind of want to go back and read. It, it definitely needs to be re-edited because that was another thing I learned was that I couldn't really edit my own books. It was, <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in those early years, but um, I'd like to go back and re, re-edit that book and put in that scene that I took out because I started to second guess myself and it was like oh you know I think I read somewhere like don't ever start your book with a flashback or a pro and I you know I I got that kind of dumb stuff into my head and that's what I really would want to say to any writer who's starting out or whatever is don't listen to too much advice (laughs) no and I mean aside from the pro tip of go and check out your playlist your playlist on Robert McKee's story was definitely the thing that spurred me on to buy that book after Mm -hmm. years of other authors telling me that I ought to read Robert McKee's story regardless of whether I want to write a screenplay or not just because of how it will influence and make my writing stronger Mm -hmm. as far as setting character pacing and plot arcs and working without beyond a three-act structure and your 10 writing tips a very recent video oh okay yeah helpful and you definitely had said in that as well at least one time uh i don't know why people adhere to blank rule and i'm hearing that a lot more often and it's so refreshing you had said that you do watch like writing tips and help things, oh i do we all do it's a great yeah. waste of time <laughs> like when i don't when i'm trying to get up the whatever it is the state of mind to write and i'm like i'll play little games with myself i'm like well i'll just watch this one video and then i'll start writing you know <laughs> it helps to like fuel the fire i listen to writing podcasts first thing in the morning during mm-hmm. exercise time and i find that helps because it never really i can't be writing <laughs> while i'm on the elliptical trainer right so is there a time and a place do you structure your writing time and your research time or is it uh, fairly free flowing and when the inspiration strikes to do either or do you specifically only work on the craft and then work on actually writing and doing research in separate chunks or locations? I write, uh, I do like a very early morning writing practice every day and I take a break on Fridays. I started like doing my blog on Friday as like a break from the fiction. And then sometimes I, I, I won't write on Sundays, but I usually write or I write something, I don't know, just a poem or something easier, but I not that that's easier, but not as, uh, not as a, like a heavy word count. Um, but like every morning I get up very early and I get the coffee going and I really just kind of force myself to write. It's kind of, um, I don't know, it's, it's like your exercise, like you do it every day. And, and it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great habit to get into. And I've been averaging about 2000 words a day, which if you put it together as a, as a novel, I have a bad habit of writing several projects at once. I don't know if you do that, <laughs> but I've got two novels going on and a, sh- a couple of short stories I'm trying to finish. But I, I work 
I try to write at least 2,000 words a day. Like this morning, I wrote 3,000. I felt really good. And I keep a, um, a spreadsheet, like I mentioned in my video, my tips. I, I keep a spreadsheet and it just, I love seeing those numbers increase. I mean, it's it's kind of like money in the bank. When you have no money in the bank, at least you're writing. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I try to think about like, what is it about that writing session that's different because I'll tell you, when I did Unmasked, my first screenplay, that was an inspiration. And I didn't know if I could write an entire screenplay. Like I had written my web series, but those were episodes, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like loose structured dialogue. This was something where I was like setting out to, to write a screenplay that I intended to make a film out of. I thought, okay, so, you know, this was back in the early 2000s. I'm going to like raise all this money and you know that was the dream and I wrote that that draft that screenplay in like two days because I remember <laughs> I was like it was a fever dream and then I was like exhausted and laying in the bathtub and I remember I called my friend and I'm like I wrote a screenplay and he's like you did I'm like yes it took me two days it's you know of course it was just the draft but yeah mm-hmm but it was a marathon. It was a marathon. And and I think that that was, that was wonderful in that I proved to myself that I could do it. And I had my Robert McKee next to me the whole time. And now I still get those flashes of inspiration, but I don't do it in two days. I, I sit down and do it in like, you know, in a more disciplined way. Yeah, having that structured time, almost ritualistic mm -hmm. in a way. Um, considering that you do take days off but if that inspiration were striking i'm pretty sure that you would just sit down is it the same spot same mojo same everything on your writing practice mornings yeah pretty much i just as soon as the coffee you know it's all based on the caffeine like it's i mean i get up i mean i get up at you know by four o'clock most mornings and it's super early that's one thing about like getting older you just start to wake up early and i mean i've, I've gotten up at like 3 30 three you know, witching hour stuff and just put the coffee on and uh, I also put my uh, zen music on in the head headphones on you know some YouTube sites I like and it's sort of like putting yourself into a trance mm -hmm. you know and um, it writing's weird because I think that there's always and I, I don't know if there's any time where I haven't sat down and thought I can't do this you know like <laughs> You're blessed. You're blessed because I know people push through so-called writer's block, which doesn't really exist because mm -hmm. you can bust through that by sitting your butt down and writing. But I think that oh, there's a lot of talk of this flow state, this elusive flow state, and it is cultivated by practice, which you've definitely mm -hmm. hacked that by cultivating practice. And it seems like such a no-brainer in a way, but many people struggle with it. So it's so refreshing. And this is reflected in your prolific nature. I mean, there's books out that I didn't even know about. And this is because I do watch your YouTube channel and I oh, do thank you. I watch yours too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but Casa Diablo was out uh, early this oh, year. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember hearing word one about it. I know. I, I, I'm terrible at promotion, I have to say. That story was a reject <laughs> of Silver Shamrock's uh, Midnight in the Pentagram. Okay. I have not reject. <laughs> but uh, I thought the story was really good. And, and uh, sometimes 
I've gotten uh, Bob Ford, who I'm sure you're, you know who that writer is. Uh, I think he's a Pennsylvania guy too, Robert Ford. Um, to to like, work. yeah, to look over my uh, writing, and he really loved it, and he was very encouraging about that story. So even though, and and also the the uh, the publisher of Silver Shamrock was too. It actually made like the first cut. I mean, it's. I'm sure every one of those big anthologies gets so many uh, oh, they submissions. Certainly do, and I know that the slush reading is relentless mm -hmm. with them. So to make it even one or two rounds in, and it says something about the publisher that they keep you informed to find out it was rejected without hearing. You know, if it made it far or if they just started reading months later. Yes, and I know from putting my own anthology together how how hard it is to uh, to manage all that, but. Yeah, so I was encouraged by the rejection, I guess you could say. So I, and I thought the story was, was fun. So I put it out as just a short story on Amazon. It got a couple reviews and uh, it will be included in an anthology that I'm putting together called Women in Trouble. And oh. it, it's all it's all short stories and a novella called Snowblind, which came out last year. I am very well acquainted with Snowblind. Oh, that's right. You read that. Yes, I did. I helped proofread that. Oh, that's right. Probably among others. And I mean, <laughs> thank you. Loved that. Oh, no problem. That was, uh, and it's a wonderful fit. I can see how that will go into <laughs> Women in Trouble. And I love the cover of that. That's, you know, aside from the story, that's one of those covers that you have that they're, they all offer something tantalizing. That's another story that I stole a twist from that, um, that French film Diabolique, uh, and I worked I worked that story around that twist, but but of course a totally different story. But the um, yeah, so I'm putting together an anthology of all my rejected short stories and uh, and that novella, and then but they're all about women, women in trouble, meaning like not final girls. Like when I approach horror with my like from my female characters, like Unmasked is, is an example, although my protagonist was a man, my main protagonist. But what female horror to me is, is not women like playing the traditional man's role, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Where they're going to maybe be like the murderer. Like in Snowblind, the, my main character was so passive, but she was actually one of the worst characters, you know, the most, I don't know, evil in her weakness she was evil like she she um caused with her passivity a, a lot of destruction so i try to take like that kind of approach or a a female um villain who isn't she might not stab you but she engulfs you you know yeah like yeah like kind of playing with um you know feminine archetypes or like um you know the smothering female the, and taking uh, a femme fatale and giving mm -hmm. it a, a stronger uh, twist or even a more sinister twist than than it's ever often given. Yes, yes. Like for the femme, like in Unmasked, my femme fatale, who has a lot in common with Madonna, I, that was kind of a you know, it's just a just a coincidence that it's, it's very reminiscent of her. But like she was the ultimate femme fatale in that that hunger you know like i like to have my female characters to be like hungry and desperate mm -hmm. and and that causes its own destruction versus you know either victims you know like the typical kind of female victim like you find in a horror film or story or 
or this monster that's very, you know, aggressive. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a passive no, aggression. Yeah. Oh, and if there's anything that's borrowed from the the male tropes as far as villains or heroes, it's that hunger. And you don't see that often enough in female characters. It's like that's something that women aren't supposed to admit desire right. necessarily outside of for the carnal, but desire for success, desire for control, those sorts of, the, 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 those are I think the masculine traits that would be like commonly ascribed to masculine that aren't shown often enough in women so i think that's where that power is lying with your characters yeah like the control uh, like one of my short stories that i think i just put it in one anthology they didn't it, it did, wasn't a good fit for what they were doing but um it's about a, a woman who decides you know she she's been sober like she had a little trouble with alcohol you know she got sober but she makes a mistake of going out one night and kind of you know parties with her friends and hits the skater dude <laughs> he gets stuck on her windshield and then she you know she can't let go of him okay. she, because she hates herself so much that now you know she's got this guy who's dependent you know who's is seriously injured and now she's dependent on her you know like this kind of thing so it's coming out of a out of a, a, a desperate hunger like and like you said that's not acknowledged too much you know it's not talked about a lot and it's it's horrible <laughs> yeah it's definitely refreshing to find some more horrible aspects of females <laughs> where they study the monstrous feminine more so in film studies or uh, women's studies but not so much in literature which maybe we're a little behind the times in that way yeah i think horror you know it of course we you know Mary Shelley, that was a long time ago, wrote Frankenstein, and it's, I guess it's considered the first science fiction book. I always think of it as horror. But, um, you know, we always talk about, like, oh, women in horror, but I think there's still so much there that can be explored, you know? Really, beyond childbirth and, and things like that, because that becomes a very common, and I hate to use the word trope, because, I mean, it's childbirth, but that <laughs> becomes a crutch that a lot of this leans upon. If it's not childbirth, it's a rape revenge, right? And that's yes. there's too much of this lives where, and I'm certainly not dismissing any of the fantastic horror by women or about women that is being written in the no, last decade. No. It's really and I grown, need to but, read a lot more of it. Yeah, and of course, because of the Hollywood machine, we do get a lot of the mother and rape revenge sort of things thrown at us because that just seems to be what floats to the top is that lowest common denominator but a lot more of it is growing alongside of course your characters i think that that is the breath of fresh air that the genre needs more of to displace that heavy air right the heavy old air yeah I, I, no it's, i think that the um i think the rape revenge i was thinking about that uh, it, that film, uh, I Spit on Your Grave, the old one, yeah. which I saw the drive-in back, you know, when I was a teenager. Of course, it was very shocking. And, you know, there is something, it's very, ex, ex, you know, it's an exploitation film in a lot of ways, but there is something kind of like, I don't know, humorously satisfying about, about that kind of story. But I think that that's, that's the one, you know, that's the female as the victim. I think in my stories in, in this anthology, my, my females are the monsters, you know? Yeah, not having to be victimized to bring that monster out either. Yeah, like, um, you know, uh, women can be just as destructive, <laughs> you know, in different ways. I think it plays out in a different way, you know? And, uh, and I like exploring that. I like, 
I like writing female characters a lot. And, and the, I'm writing a short story now, and I'm, I'm struggling with it a little bit because I'm trying to write it as if um, I'm writing in the style, it's still my style, but I'm trying to write as if I'm like a 19, uh, you know, 45 uh, ladies journal writer. Like I'm writing in a certain, mm-hmm. kind of like doing, it's, it's a gothic, it's a gothic tale, but this rich girl who, you know, is, lives in, uh, well, she, her family has a home in, it's during the war in World War II, and she, her family has a home on uh, this remote island in Maine, invites this class chum to help her, like, plan her wedding, and, and when she gets out there, the girl realizes that it's just her, it's just the two of them, and she's, like, trapped, and it's kind of, again, movies inspire me a lot, it, it's kind of a, I got the idea, I think, from, like, Ingmar Bergman's movie persona where you know the one female character kind of engulfs the other and the other one has such a shaky sense of self she she kind of gets like trapped in the other woman's personality like i like those kinds of stories i wouldn't really say it's it's like full horror and it's it is a short story but like try to capture a little bit of that kind of essence versus a uh you know like a slasher it's definitely a shade of the horror rainbow. I mean, mm-hmm. it's starting with with the quiet horror, gothics, and into paranormal, uh, paranormal romance, and then weird fiction, and not so much weird fiction romance. Is there such a thing? But then on and on into like hardcore horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that would be a neat one to tap in. And you've really stretched uh, all of those genres. It seems with your writing. And thus ends the bonus episode for today. And I'll thank you very much for listening. Of course, check back soon for more bonus episodes. These aren't found on the YouTube show. So as a special thank you to listeners of the podcast, here we are. You can find the essays at typicalbooks.com. And if you're interested in the full length episodes, check out the Patreon or Apple podcasts. If there's anything that you think that I ought to be talking about on Typical Books, let me know and make sure you have an ooky spooky day.